I'm Elena Salinas, and this is the Women in Tech Show, a show where women in tech talk about technology and career development. Today's guest is Catherine Holtzworth. Catherine has been a program manager at Microsoft for 13 years, and she's currently part of the Windows Insiders team. We talked about her experiences at Microsoft, the Windows Insiders program, and about program management. Catherine also gave her advice on career growth and getting involved in speaking at technical conferences, among many other things. I hope you like this episode. Welcome to the Women in Tech show, Catherine. It's great to have you here today. Thank you. It's great to be here. So I want to start off by talking a little bit about your childhood and your upbringing. The other day I listened to an interview you did with Hashtag Radio New Zealand, and you mentioned that you grew up in this farm in New Zealand. So I'm curious, what was going on at that time? What were you doing as a child? So, uh, you know, it was a relatively remote farm. It's probably not as remote anymore. Mm-hmm. But we did create a lot of our own fun. Uh, there wasn't the possibility of wandering downtown and um, going off and having fun with friends. We were we were on the farm. And so some of the things that we would do, you know, my dad gave me a number 10 Meccano set when I was about six months old. And so I was always kind of into Meccano and... What's Meccano? Meccano's like a, uh, sort of like a Lego type set that you can build things with and construct and there's little screws and it's great for fine motor skills and you can build cranes and all sorts of things like that. And um, as part of growing up on a farm, I saw my father and mother doing all sorts of things that were innovative to make things work. For example... Uh, we were always off on the other side of the river fixing the water supply for the house. Oh, nice. My father was always trying to figure out how to build a windmill to um, drive water around the farm. I think that might have been what he was thinking about at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was lots of opportunities to see engineering work happen um, just in day-to-day living. But I don't think I ever associated it with it being an engineer. I just thought that's what happened. Yeah. And it was fun. And it was fun. Yeah. Exactly. Wow, that's great. And eventually you decided to go into engineering, maybe through these experiences from your childhood. And I'm wondering, was there any specific topic you were very interested in at that time? So I think my mother was very, um, and father actually, were very focused on us staying technical Mm -hmm. and doing engineering and science and mathematics type subjects growing up. But there was also quite well balanced with us all having to learn an instrument and all having to learn Latin. So we, you know, we had a fairly balanced um, and broad upbringing in terms of the education. But my parents were very focused on us having to be good and dedicated in maths and science Science. as long as humanly possible. And so there wasn't ever really a focus on you're going to be an engineer. Chemical engineer or something very specific. There was just a focus on you will continue maths and science. Mm -hmm. And I remember my mum saying to me at one stage, if you cut out maths and science, you cut out 70% of any career opportunities or some number like that. And I remember that resonating with me and realising I wasn't 
at a point in my life I could make a choice early on yeah. in terms of what I wanted to be. So I kept my options open yeah. based on um, guidance, career guidance from my parents. I see. And what instrument were you playing at the time? I played piano, uh, violin, oh, and nice. saxophone. Oh, wow. That's great. Do you still play it a bit? Or? I have a piano in my house, mm -hmm. but I don't play it as much as I'd like to. Oh, okay. That's great. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about your time at Microsoft. You've been here for about 13 years in program management. So based on all these years of experience, what do you think are the qualities that make an excellent program manager? Well, I think, first of all, you have to be very curious. And mm -hmm. you know, quite often you get problems and you actually don't know the answer. And so you have to be curious and be sure that you'll be able to learn it by asking enough people. So I think it's important mm -hmm. to be curious, think positively. Mm -hmm. uh, as a program manager, part of what you're trying to do is bring energy and, and a positive mindset to people because people are much more creative if they're positive. If you walk mm -hmm. into a room that's negative, people close down. But if you can bring a positive point of view into the room, people open up. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I think you need to be really keen on collaboration and interested in other people's ideas and um, kind and, and respectful. Like people will bring ideas um, if you're kind and respectful and are pulling the good ideas out from a room. And then, um, you know, wanting to keep learning and persevere because mm -hmm. there's often no easy answer. And... Um, if you're if you're willing to persevere and take a few risks and be able to fail fast and fix fast, I think mm. that's very helpful. Yeah. And apply this to yourself. What, what skills did you have that made you choose program management, like after school? Yeah. So after school, I actually did a PhD in electrical engineering, mm -hmm. and by um, my career path kind of took me in a weird way after that. Whereas I maybe should have gone to research, I ended up going and working for um, the Chief Operations Officer at Lucent Technologies mm -hmm. as his, his technical advisor or technical program manager probably is the best way to put it. Mm -hmm. And I just, when I ended up living in America, I didn't really know what I was going to do, but the program manager job description looked really interesting. Mm -hmm. And so when I got to Seattle, I applied for a role that had program management because mm -hmm. I felt that that would be the role that I could fit into. Yeah. So it was by luck that I ended up as a program manager, not mm -hmm. by good design. Oh, okay. And are, are there any different types of program managers? Because I've heard some of them are technical, most of, some of them are consumer like, are there? I think there's a range of program managers. I think there's, you know, program managers who focus on really deep parts of the system, like the kernel, um, all the way through to program managers who look at, you know, graphics interfaces and the yeah. Bluetooth stack and radio interfaces, all the way through to um, Computer program languages. managers yeah, who will write and design user experiences. So I think mm -hmm. that there's all... Um, manner of technology, but there's a lot of the same skills that can apply across the program management mm -hmm. yes. discipline. I see. And for those listeners that are just starting off their careers as juniors PM, what advice would you give for them to get to principal PM? Because some PMs might remain in a PM2 role or a senior PM, but what advice would you give 
to somebody to keep growing. So like, I think the thing that's worked best for me is um, be curious, but also be curious mm-hmm. about yourself. So I've always been interested in getting to the next career stage. Mm-hmm. And so I've been very open with my manager and open with my colleagues and open with people I work with about wanting to get feedback. And every time I get feedback, I treat it as a gift and thank them very much. And I also look for people in my career who I think I may not be working so well with and going to them and asking for feedback. So I try to gather feedback on myself as to where I can self-improve because I'm interested in improving myself. Yes. And so I think what's helped me more than anything else is being very, very open about wanting feedback. Yeah. Negative or positive. Negative is the best. It might be hard at first to take it in but yep and I always thank people for it and yes. um and appreciate it because the the negative feedback is where is, is something that I might need to work on yeah and as long as I have that information I can choose how to deal with it yeah that's great advice and also in program management you mentioned at the beginning have curiosity listen to people's ideas put ideas on the table Are there different ways in which you communicate, for example, to developers, to executives, or direct clients? Do you have different, it really depend, different strategies? It depends what the um, situation is and what mm-hmm. their interests are and what the style of the meeting is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if you are uh, with developers and colleagues and it's more of a brainstorming, um, you know, the way I communicate is actually try to listen Mm-hmm. Um, more than I talk. Kind of like Bill Gates. That's what I read about him, that he's he goes to a meeting and he's just listening to everybody. Yeah, I, So I bring in to, all the information. I need to work on that because I'm a bit of a talker, but I am okay. very aware of the fact that it's really important to listen to what's yes. going on in the room. Um, yes. And the more senior I get, the more careful I have to be with when I put information into the room, whether it you know, how I describe what I'm trying to put across. Um, but I, I think understanding what people's concerns are and what their time frame is and how deep they want to go and their personality type. Mm-hmm. Do they want the information really fast or do they want more details? So I'm trying to tune my my communication to the to the audience and the person who's asking the yeah. question. More like putting yourself in their shoes and see what they want. Yeah. And also during uh, your time at Microsoft, you gave a talk at a event in New Zealand. It was called the Windows 10 Enterprise. And there might be some junior PMs that see these talks and they're like, I want to be on stage explaining all this technology. What advice would you give to somebody that wants to participate in these events later on in their career? Was there anything that you recommend? Yeah, well, I was that junior engineer at one point who really wanted to get the experience talking on stage and being able to describe and have the confidence to stand up and describe something technical. Mm -hmm. And so the way I went about it is I made it one of my career goals. I wrote it down, want Mm -hmm. to be able to present to audiences I didn't care what size but actually wrote it down and I communicated that to my manager and I communicated that to my mentors and then I went about trying to figure out how in this case at Microsoft people got that experience 
Yes. And so one of the ways that I've got that experience was uh, working, finding out the people who work at Microsoft with customer teams. And I've offered to do presentations for them or sit in on their presentations and help with technical Q&A in my area. Internal presentations or? I started off with internal. It's oh, a good okay. way to um, to get experience when yes. customers came on site. And then I started to offer to go to conferences as well once I got practice. But I practiced and practiced and practiced and did the same material many, many times. Mm. And then I also, um, whenever I saw speaking opportunities where you could do the same material multiple times, I would go to the current speaker and say, can I be your backup? Oh, and then that's ultimately a great idea. I ended up taking their, their session because they... Cancel last minute. Things they, happen. Things happen, or they decided they wanted to try something else, and I was a good backup. So I put myself out mm. and really practiced and practiced and practiced. Yes. And when, once I thought I was vaguely good enough, I asked if I could go to bigger external conferences. Mm-hmm. What's good about this is that, as you mentioned, you spoke to your manager and said, I want to speak. Sometimes people might think, oh, the opportunity will just come to me. But you just have to say it and they'll keep in mind whenever there's a speaking opportunity, oh, Catherine expressed interest, I'm giving her the opportunity to speak versus to somebody who didn't say it. And also I knew my manager at the time was doing speaking engagements and his manager at the time were doing speaking engagements. So Mm -hmm. I always offered to go with them so I could learn from what they were doing. Mm -hmm. So I just showed interest. I leaned in. (laughs) Yes, that's a great term. And currently, what are you working on here at Microsoft? So I currently moved from, um, I was working on enterprise, mm-hmm. and which is what the topic was I spoke about. I've now moved over to a team called the Flighting Team in our fundamentals organization in the Windows. In Windows. Mm-hmm. And what my team owns now is, is the technology behind how we get uh, our flights out to our Windows Insiders. What and do you mean by flights? So pre-release builds Windows. Mm-hmm. So if you're part of our Windows Insider program, you can sign up to get pre-release builds of Windows. And my team does the technology behind getting those pre-release builds out. And then uh, I also, my team also owns the, the application in Windows called the Feedback Hub. And so if any of our Windows Insiders or Windows users have feedback for Microsoft, you can go to our Feedback Hub write down what you're seeing or what you'd like us to hear, and mm-hmm. we will take that information through our feedback hub and deliver it to our engineering team so they know exactly what our customers are saying. That's very interesting because also the other day I was in this talk with James Whitaker, who was also at Microsoft, and he mentioned that he started seeing a trend where testing is now shifting more to the customers themselves. Like, things have changed, we have better feedback systems and we have really good feedback systems and we're very very interested to make to ensure that what we're building is what our customers want so we are listening mm-hmm. all the time for through the feedback hub and other mechanisms to make sure that we're on the right track mm-hmm. was flighting recently started before for example windows was you know a cd or something like that we, st- we started flighting as part of windows 10 Oh, okay. What were some of the the ideas that triggered the interest in doing flighting? For me or for Microsoft? Just in general. Like, why, why is flighting 
an important component well, we of want Windows. We want to make sure we uh, can get flights out and, and pre-releases out to our customers so that you know they can get the latest and see what they're working on and developers who are developing can make sure that they have the latest APIs to develop against. We just wanted to make it much easier to get pre-release builds and then get the feedback Get back. the feedback quicker in order to delight the customers. Exactly. Just, yeah. So I want to talk a little bit now about the Microsoft Speaker Series. I'm a fan of the Speaker Series because that's one of the things that inspired me to start this podcast. Oh, great. Yes. And... I just wanted for you to explain to our listeners what is the speaker series at Microsoft? So it's a speaker series that are, is run through um, our Windows and Devices group. And, you know, it really started 10 years ago when I was working back in Windows Phone where there was a group of us who were pretty new to being managers and relatively junior. And we really oh, wanted wow. to hear from senior leaders and people who were management veterans and experts in their technology. Mm -hmm. And so rather than each individually go to these senior leaders and say, can we have an hour, we grouped, um, pulled together a group of us, I guess almost like a lean-in circle, where we would invite yeah. somebody once a month and say, can you teach us about management or your technology? And the forum has always been open Q&A. Mm -hmm. And so um, when we pulled together the Windows group, Windows Devices group. We were asked to continue the series for Windows Devices group, mm -hmm. and uh, we did continue it. And what we've done is we're focusing, focusing on making sure that people have an opportunity to hear on a more casual basis from our leaders. Mm -hmm. There's no defined um, program. There's no work required from them other, for the, other than they show up. And we asked them a couple of questions about, Uh, their career to date, because it's always interesting to expose young, new uh, engineers through career paths of more senior leaders. Mm -hmm. And we ask them who their mentors are and who inspires them. Mm -hmm. And then we open it up to open Q&A. Mm -hmm. And the questions can move from business-related questions to career-related questions. And we just move uh, it through in a very kind of open forum. It's not recorded. It's not videoed. Yeah. We want to Because make sure internal. that it's internal, but we want to make sure that the QA is very open, mm -hmm. that people feel comfortable asking questions and that people feel comfortable answering. answering them. Yes. How do you think the speaker series helps address the diversity problems we're currently seeing in tech? Well, in this case here, it's a the speaker series that I arrange is. It's not exclusive, it's open to everybody, mm -hmm. but it's arranged by our women of WDG group. Mm -hmm. And it, because the audience is, happens to be largely made up of the women in WDG participants and anybody's invited, yes. it means that you are able to ask questions that you might not ask in a, if, you're, uh, if it's fewer women in the room, for example. Mm -hmm. But generally, actually, the questions are very generic. They're, they they're not about how is it easier for me to be a female in technology. They're actually yeah. business-related questions, yes. and they are um, career-related questions, and they're questions that are applicable to absolutely anyone. I think yes. My brother listens to the tunes in on Skype sometimes. Great. So. But I think yeah. the beauty of these is that 
it's helping people who may not be as confident to ask a question to actually ask questions. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in these series, I actually know who people are and I often can tell people have been there and have never asked a question. And sometimes I'll go up and say, hey, I'd like you to ask a question. And if you can't think of the question, I'll tell you what to ask. You tell them? And then they get experience asking a question. And that can really help people. So you've told one participant or something? I'll go up and say, hey, I know you really, really want to ask a question. Yes. Or I I know that it'll be good for your career to try asking a question. Yes. I'm going to pick you. So either think of a question or I have one lined up for you. Yeah. Have have those participants said anything to you? Like, oh, thanks for... They're sometimes violent. people need a little push. They need a little help because it is it is worrying sometimes speaking up in a big crowd. Yes. And I also don't like it. And so how is it you can help build people's confidence? This is all about building people's confidence. Yes. It's also one of the things uh, Sheryl Sandberg talks in her book, Leaning, that she noticed, you know, women tend to be more quiet when asking questions. So it's always great just to say it. <laughs> You know, don't think about it, just ask. Yeah, so it's a really great series and it's a good network. But there's lots of other professional development we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I'm a strong believer in the Dale Carnegie program. And What, what program is that? It's a, it's a program run by Dale Carnegie, which, re, which helps people with confidence and understanding of what they call the golden rule so that you can um, push yourself in a meeting situation and walk in other people's shoes, etc. So um, we run the Dale Carnegie program through our group and then we also have mentoring rings and we also have a program where new engineers to the team are introduced to somebody who's been there a little bit longer. So we try and do a little bit of managed networking so that people get a kickstart with their network and then also a lot of... um, you know, a lot of listening to what other people's career advice is so mm-hmm. that people can learn that the, the learn about their own path mm-hmm. and not everybody's path is the same. So give people a little bit of confidence on actually really just leaning into their own career. Yeah, definitely. When I uh, first joined Microsoft, my first manager said, during my first week, schedule meetings, 30-minute meetings with people from your team and sibling teams just to find out what they're working on who they are. And I was at the beginning kind of anxious. Um, but I, I scheduled them and everybody accepted and everybody was so happy to talk about what they're working on. I think that helped me a lot, you know, when I switched to another team to know people just want to talk. They, they people want, want to help other people. People actually. want to help other people and they are so eager to talk about what they're working on. Yes. And it's, nobody should be afraid of you know, requesting some time with people to chat about work or career development. Exactly. People always want to help. Yes, definitely. So overall, what have been some of the takeaways you've had from these events? You mentioned pushing people to ask questions. And have you... I think the takeaway from these events is how much people appreciate hearing from on a very casual basis from our leaders where there's yes. no expectations yes. on them or the leaders. Um, and be heard by asking questions. And be heard by asking questions. But also people really enjoy the um, 
the career advice. And yes. the career advice is, you know, when you listen to these senior leaders, many of them didn't expect to be where they are. Yes, and I've they've that. ended up where they are. And yeah. I, I feel the same way. I didn't expect to be where I am either. Mm-hmm. But the career is a bit of a journey or a little bit of an obstacle course probably mm-hmm. where um, you have to be proactive about your own career and you listen to these people and they're all fairly proactive about their own career. Yeah, nothing is going to come to you. But, just they, by... but, they don't, but they're also surprised by their own career. Yes. So um, I think that's been useful. It's also interesting, obviously, arranging a meeting for so many people because often you never can quite please anyone. So while 90%, 95% of people love the series, there's always people who you know wish for video or wish for recordings, yes. etc. And we continue to be of the mind that this is a, a closed meeting, yes, which is open open Q and A. So yeah, some of the speakers come back. I noticed that. Yeah. Terry Myerson came twice and Yeah, the speakers come back, regularly come back. Discuss other things, yeah. Yeah, and the other thing is that I think is kind of I is obvious is that people think, oh, you know, it's people are often surprised when they're listening in that the questions are very business related and career related. Yes. And they shouldn't be surprised because women and men think very different very similarly about their career. And people expect things to be different. But I think um, these are just great series because you can you can dig into what yeah. some of the leaders are thinking and ask ask more business-related questions yeah. so you can learn more about our business. Yeah. And you can also relate. Oh, I was I, right now where I'm at, it's where Terry Myerson was at. Like, and he he's a senior executive, so you can just relate. Okay, it's normal what I'm going through and things like that. So um, before we finish, I just wanted to ask you, throughout your years at Microsoft and your career, what improvements have you seen for women in tech? So the improvements, I think we've been much more deliberate about encouraging young girls to get into the science and technology and engineering and mathematics programs early on. Mm -hmm. Whereas... Uh, when I was going through school, the reason I stayed in was my parents advocating for me to stay in because yeah. of their deep understanding. So I think in terms of women and technology, it's becoming more accepted and very much more accepted and encouraged to stay in technology. And then in terms of the technology, I think, uh, in terms of the companies, I think companies are really more focused on making sure that everybody's voices are being heard. Mm-hmm. And so I think the changes that we're seeing benefit actually everybody in terms of um, being more collaborative, listening better to diverse opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just gender diversity. There's yeah. lots of different diversity that we need to be respectful and thinking about. And, you know, there's lots of very positive changes as we look across how technology is working just with people. Yes, definitely. I've seen that targeting both young girls and boys equally so that they both pursue paths in engineering. And last question that I want to ask you, what is one productivity tip that you would give to our listeners? You've been a PM for several years, so you must have something. But 
Yeah, so the tip that I use is, um, you know, I am a relentless list maker mm-hmm. and I uh, relentlessly reprioritize my day mm-hmm. and my days. Um, but the tool that I use all the time happens to be OneNote mm-hmm. and I rigorously use that for meeting notes, for to-do lists, to remind myself what I need to do both inside work and outside work. And it really does make sure that it helps me make sure that I'm focusing on the big things I have to focus on. Mm-hmm. And then it's getting out of my mind all the things I'm worried about remembering because mm-hmm. I write it down. So I relentlessly write everything down. Mm-hmm. Um, if I don't write it down, it's not happening. Yeah. Do you typically plan that out early in the morning or at night? Like before the day starts? or A little bit of a combination. I'm always looking at um, today and three days ahead. So sometimes oh, wow, okay. I'm looking at, um, you know, in the evening, I'm looking about tomorrow and the next couple of days and sometimes first thing in the morning. So I, I check in. But I'm just clear on what I want to do every day. I mm-hmm. want to achieve three things every day. Oh, wow. And, um, and then I also want to have worked a little bit on three longer-term things as well every day. So I... So a bit of a mix with short-term and long-term. Yeah. That's great advice. And then I also prioritize every day. Okay. Um, and think about the two or three things I'm going to get done today. Oh, that's a great tip. Well, Catherine, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Anytime. Lovely talking to you. Thank you. Thank you.